This is the Branches Podcast. We try to keep it simple in this family of faith, love God, and love people. Let's not make it harder than Jesus intended. If you'd like to know more about our community of faith, you can visit us at www.branchesoc.com. Yeah, the space between, I I, th- I thought like the Dave Matthews Band song, did anybody think of that? I was. That's what I thought when I was thinking of the space between and... And I have a book next to my bathroom uh, that's it's by John O'Donoghue called To Bless the Space Between Us. That was the other thing that came to my mind when I thought about the space between. And then I had listened to Boog's sermons and stuff. And, and I had like a struggle trying to come up with, what am I going to say about the space between or feeling stuck or what do you do when you don't know what to do or there's nothing you can do. And... Uh, Boog, you know, asked me to share a message, share some some thoughts about this idea as we're heading into celebrating Resurrection Sunday and this time on the religious calendar that we call Lent. And I was feeling like, man, I'm stuck. Like, what do I say right now? You know, all the memes that I'm seeing now are like, are we just going to let March come back after what it did to us last year and things that have been going on have been tough and circumstances have been difficult for a lot of people. Uh, And then for others, you know, depending on the various privileges that you have, it's not been so tough and there's been newfound freedoms. And so it, it's was difficult for me. I'm thinking, man, I feel a little bit stuck on what do I say to my friends that are going to be watching this all 17 of you that may be out there. watching this at this time, but I'm just grateful like for an opportunity to sh- share some thoughts. So one of the things that I wanted to talk about, normally I have a slide and some clever things, but I just uh, felt like I just want to just speak from my heart. I I have some notes. I showed them to my friends, Daniel and Rich in here. It's very organized. It's There's a lot of scribbles, some circles. Uh, but I just wanted to be honest with you guys that this has been a interesting season, a tough one in a lot of ways. And Daniel assured me that if I mess up, he can fix it and, you know, make it look real nice. And I'd just say, let's just leave it as it is. And whatever editing he wants to do is great, but, uh, let's just be honest and raw. Like, can we just have something real? (laughs) right now. And, uh, sometimes the circumstances, uh, I don't want to face them. I don't want to deal with them. I don't, I don't want them period. And yet I keep coming back to Jesus in this time in a way that has been very helpful for me. Uh, and so I want to just kind of talk to you what my process has been over these last several months and Hopefully it offers some kind of encouragement to you guys uh, that are listening and even watching. And Jesus has these things that he says, and I won't list all the Bible verses and things like that, but uh, you can can actually sense this through the power of his spirit. But he says, don't worry about tomorrow. That's one thing he says. He says, don't be anxious. Uh, He says, I'm leaving you my peace. My peace I leave with you. Uh, these kinds of things. Uh, 
He says, don't worry about what you're going to wear or what you're going to eat or where you're going to live. People who don't know God run after these things and God knows that you need them. And all these things have been coming into my mind because I tend to worry and I tend to be anxious and I tend to think, where is the next paycheck coming from? And you know, who's going to support us and who's going to take care of us? And how are we going to, you know, all these things about that we all worry about. We all, to some degree, are thinking about these things. And what I encounter in Christ and what is this sense of peace, this sense of being held, being a child of God. Um, it's, it's not something, it's something that I've been told over years and studied even in seminary and in college and graduate school and in Bible studies and in church of that you are a child of God. And yet uh, there's this sense in which I really feel responsible for making things happen. Uh, even though my kids don't necessarily feel that same responsibility for, you know, their food, their shelter, their clothing, uh, they just live in this sort of unconscious understanding that mom and dad take care of that. The parents take care of that. Uh, now they can make appeals and ask for things. And usually it's for like more screen time or like, can we play the Wii or can we you know, have a friend over or things like that, but they're not like making appeals like, Oh dad, that you would supply us with, you know, Chick-fil-A tonight. You know, that would be great. Uh, you know, Oh, that we would have Cheerios in the morning and those sorts of things. Like these are the sorts of prayers that we end up praying. And God is, I think, content to listen to them because he's content to listen to his children about anything. Uh, but I think his hope is that we would trust him for everything, even in an unconscious way about that stuff. Don't worry about that stuff. Like he means it. Like we could just not worry about it. So I was thinking about that and that led me to thinking about knowing God. Uh, and not just knowing about, because I feel like religion, Christianity has been very much caught up in knowing about God. Uh, and let me let me try and... Uh, explain the difference of what I think about knowing and knowing about. Um, you know, for those of you that may speak Spanish, there's two two words in Spanish for knowing that kind of uh, illustrate this difference. And one of them is saber, which is to know something. Like, uh, you could say, like, sabes quién es Daniel Taylor, who's behind the camera right here. Like, do you know who Daniel Taylor is? And someone could say, yeah, I know who he is. Uh, he's the guy that does the camera for these videos, you know, or something like that. And then the other word is conocer, which is to know, like, and you'd say, conoces a Daniel, uh, which means, do you know Daniel? And it's, well, I don't know Daniel. I know who he is. He's the guy that does the camera, right? But do you know, do you know who, do you know him? That's a different kind of knowing. So another another example would be, like for me in some of my work, it takes me to the National Prayer Breakfast in Washington, D.C., where myself and a couple other thousand people sit in a room with various members of Congress and the State Department and the President and so forth. So I know about 
Barack Obama and Donald Trump and Joe Biden, uh, but I don't know them. You know, even though I've even sat in the room with them for years, uh, along with a couple thousand other people. But if you were, if I were to run into them, let's say at, you know, Ralph's or something, uh, I would not know them. I don't, I don't know them. And if they, you were to ask any of them, do you know John Eshelman? They would say, no, I don't know John. Now, again, we could know about, but there's a, you, you, you see the difference. So sometimes what religion is really interested in is you knowing about God. And it's about having all the right information about God. Uh, but what heaven wants is for you to know God, to know Jesus, to know Christ uh, in an experiential way. Like uh, in, in the same way you would talk about uh, in Spanish, like, do you know of uh, Italy? You know, sabes de, de Italia, or I don't even know how to say it, but do you know about Italy? Uh, and you say, yeah, I know about Italy. It's the boot-shaped country, you know, in the Mediterranean, bottom part of Europe, whatever, right? But you could say, if you said, conoces a Italy, like, do you know Italy? Meaning, have you been there? Have Do you know the place? Like, have you experienced it? Uh because I, th I think that's that's what God is looking for. Uh, and another example I'll just give briefly, and, and again, I'm, I, these, shot, these thoughts will be short, but there's a point in the scripture where Jesus encounters someone of great faith, right? And Jesus comes from, his, his tribe is Israel, uh, his, his people group, I would say, that's Israel, his religion, Judaism. Uh, and you would think... I mean, these are the people that are, are have, have been holding the scriptures. They've been keeping them sacred, memorizing them, teaching them, and so forth. Uh, this whole idea of faith is embedded in there and talked about. And then Jesus, in his ministry, comes across one person that he's astonished by their faith. And I can just tell you, it was not any of the religious leaders. It was never, it wasn't the scribes. It wasn't the people that had memorized the scripture. It wasn't the people who had uh, been, you know, the most well-known rabbis of the time. But the one time that is, is he's talked about where the, he's astonished by the faith is by this Roman centurion, who's essentially a pagan or you know, his belief structure, his doctrine, his all that kind of stuff is way off. It's probably in the, you know, in the Pantheon and in Zeus and things like that. And all of a sudden, Jesus says, I have not encountered such great faith in all of Israel. Uh, and you can find that story and go back and read it. It's, it's a powerful one. I won't spend too much time on it. But again, this guy knew Jesus uh, and believed in a particular way. Uh, it wasn't just having all the information right. And and again, like we'll use, I'll just give you a couple verses that we'll, that we'll work from and, and just share a couple closing thoughts. So one, in religion, we often get caught up in this idea of eternal life. Uh, and yet we often don't really even know what that is. Uh, so eternal life, according to Jesus, in John 17, verse 3, Jesus is speaking and he says, Now eternal life is this, that they would know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. 
That's, that's the verse. That's Jesus's definition of eternal life. Now, for following Jesus, then our definitions should line up with his definitions. Uh, so let's just take, take those words there uh, that we have, that eternal life is not necessarily life that just goes on forever, though it may do that. Uh, it's, it's a kind of life. It's, an, it's actually, as Jesus describes it, a knowing and it's an intimacy of knowledge. This is uh, the same word that they use here, uh, gnosko, I think is, it is in the Greek, but the same word that they use here is the same word like that Mary, when she becomes pregnant with Jesus, uh, says, how can I be pregnant? I haven't known a man yet. So it's the same word. And so I'm, I'm thinking, you know, how I've been raised is that, you know, how do I get eternal life and I want eternal life? It's pretty much just to go to a great place that's in the clouds somewhere, you know, eight miles off the Earth's orbit where there's harps and angels. And I want to go to the heaven, right, when I die. And yet Jesus says eternal life is actually a, a knowing. It's a relational dynamic that's available right now. So when Jesus shows up on the scene, he says this in Mark 1.15, he says, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand or near. He says, repent and believe in the good news. So again, like we talk about eternal life in terms of like life that's just like perjuring forever. Like it just keeps going. But we we really don't even know about how to think about that because what, what was life before? Before time, where were we before we were born? Uh, we can only sort of think of time in a, we can either like understand time or we can deny it, but we don't understand what is eternal because what is eternal is timeless, right? Uh, we have no concept of before time. <laughs> uh, we, we think we talk of like what is timeless and we'll, we, we use that word usually to describe like fashion or art things like that, but our minds really can't even comprehend or conceive of what is timeless. Uh, so Jesus comes to say, well, if you want to know what is timeless or eternal, it's a knowing, an intimacy of relational connection with God and Jesus Christ. So Jesus shows up and he says, the time now has been fulfilled, which some of the mystics say that all time has now been brought together. Um, and the kingdom of God, the rule and the reign or the family or the paradigm or however you might understand this metaphor that he talks about is near. It's literally at hand. It's, it's as close as your breath. It's like the, you know, it's like the kitchen, just turn and enter into it. And he uses this word repent, uh, which in the Greek, I think it's metanoia which we have kind of improperly translated to mean uh, don't be sinful or uh, confess your sins or feel bad about the things that you've done. Uh, but really the, the actual word means to, be, to move beyond the mind. Uh, meta is beyond or after and noia comes from the mind. Uh, so... Jesus shows up saying, 
All right, all time is now coming together. This eternal life is available in a relational dynamic. Move beyond your mind, okay, and believe in the good news. And I've been thinking lately that, you know, processing this idea that the good news is a person, that the good news is Jesus, and that he can be known, not just known about. The Spirit of Christ can be known experientially and intimately, not just known about. Uh, resurrection has come, and this way, the way to get in line with this truth is through faith, is through believing, putting your confidence and trust in Jesus. Now, a lot of people think, well, I, I wish Jesus just would have stayed, like he left. Uh, but he said, it's, it's to your advantage that I go. And I think most of us would say, uh, no, it actually would not be to our advantage that you would leave. It would be to our advantage if you stayed and kept healing people and kept teaching and kept raising people from the dead and kept, you know, doing all these things. Uh, but he says, it's to your advantage that I go. And again, I think if Jesus had stayed, it actually would not have been good. Then it would have just been this weird hiccup in human history where this one guy just doesn't die. <laughs> He's just around all the time and we'd have some, you know, he'd be on Oprah, he'd be on some Netflix, you know, mini series that we would make about him or on HBO Max and we would just, he would be this like spectacle. But there would be no, there would be no way of encountering resurrection through faith. Uh, so what does this all mean for us in this time that is tough and strange and weird and uh, tiresome, where the circumstances aren't looking like we want them to? Uh, Boog last week was talking about being content. Uh, you know, you're, you're hard-pressed to find content people these days. Uh, and... How does any of this help us? How does any of this make any sense for our circumstances? And here's the thing I can tell you. I have to 100% rely on the Spirit of God uh, in this deal. Because if I put together some polished, great sermon, then I can call it like success, even if the Spirit doesn't work in your heart, doesn't do something in your mind, in your heart, in your life. Uh, but I am completely at the mercy of the Spirit and the Spirit working in and through you in a way that is experiential, that you feel, that you uh, participate in and with and through. It's, it's not just information about the Spirit that somehow changes your life. It's this encounter with, it's knowing, not just knowing about. And so one last, like, uh, example I'll leave with you. I, I actually got it from uh, Father Gregory Boyle, who does the work with um, Homeboy uh, Industries up in LA, the gang uh, recovery program. And he has in his book, I think it's, it's uh, either Tattoos on the Heart or Barking to the Choir, but at the very beginning, he has this little aside from Jesus. He says, 
It comes from Luke 23:43, where, where Jesus is on the cross in the midst of his own execution, along with two other men. And one of the, one of the men says, uh, hey, Jesus, like if you're really this who you say you are, why don't you come down off of there and save us too? And the other thief that he's being crucified between says, wait, Jesus hasn't done anything wrong. We're getting what we deserve here. But this guy has done nothing wrong. And then he says to Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom, is what he says to Jesus. And I think, remember that all throughout Jesus' ministry, he's been saying the kingdom has come. It is, it is near. It is at hand. It's, it's again, like, it's... It's this eternal life, God's way of, and reality in the world is available to you now if you would move beyond your mind, change your thinking, and enter into it. And then this eternal life is knowing God and knowing Jesus Christ. And he says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Now, is suddenly Jesus' kingdom something that's to come later on, further on, and to some degree, yes, but also that Jesus has been saying all along the kingdom is right here. Uh, you know, he has this conversation with, with Pilate, like saying, well, this is not my kingdom, because if this, if we were of my kingdom, then I would call upon hosts of armies and things like that. I could if I wanted to, and he could if he wanted to then. But here's how Jesus responds to that thief saying, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he says, today you will be with me in paradise. And he uses that word paradise, which is interesting. Uh, he doesn't say today you'll be with me in my kingdom, but he says today you'll be with me in paradise. Uh, and that to me is a powerful response. I've always thought of it as, again, today, later on, after we both died, since you asked me to remember you, we're going to go up off the orbit of the earth here into the clouds and where the angels are. And, you know, we'll walk through big pearly gates and onto streets of gold and we'll go, you know, grab a drink and hang out. It'll be great. <laughs> um, but that doesn't help for us who are still in the midst of our own execution, still in the midst of our own suffering. Uh, our own circumstances that we can't help and can't change. I'm wondering, and this is where Father Boyle helped me see this in a different way. He rewrote it like today, and then he wrote like a little ellipses, dot, 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 with me, dot, 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 paradise. That there's something so powerful about eternal life, right? Today, with me, this knowledge, this knowing, this intimacy of connection, and relationship with God, that regardless of your circumstances that you're in, Jesus might even call it paradise. So today, in the midst of our own execution, you will be with me in paradise. And I don't know about you, but that sounds like good news. That sounds like a gospel that could go on for a couple thousand years. That's the kind of good news I, at least I need in my life. I want to know that it's not just dependent upon my circumstances and when things are going right or going wrong, that the time has been fulfilled, eternal life is available now, 
and that God is reconciling everything, bringing it back together, and that we could be, if we would just be with him and know him, that the rest of it, we would, we would experience like this peace, right? And I, even the Apostle Paul talks about it in Philippians chapter 4, I think verse 7. Uh, he says, there's this peace that passes understanding. And let's just say, if you could understand it, it's not that peace. And I don't know about you, but I can't understand peace in the midst of my own execution. But my hunch is that kind of relational connectivity and oneness with Christ is what that actually brings. And I can say that I have been experiencing that in this time. And my hope is that you do too. I can't, I can point the finger, but I cannot supply the vision or the reality of it for you. That's why I'm dependent on the Holy Spirit for this thing. And, uh, but I can say that I love you. I am confident that, uh, that Christ loves you and is moving toward you in love at all times. And my hope is that you would feel it and experience it. Amen.